everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the greatest Bronze Age Spider-Man comic book podcast in the entire world. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I'm your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell, and today we're going to be taking a look at some Spider-Man promotional comics. Woo, yes! Free giveaways! This is a good Yeah! Time. Yeah! And uh, we'd like to thank Bex Luther for joining us. Hey, it's me. I'm just a little damp, but, you know, <laughs> just walking home in the rain. Casual. I had to get home. I had to do the podcast. Super important. You got that right. Your priorities are in order here. So, I ran uh, in the rain to make it on time. Woo! So when you guys were kids, did you guys have any of these free, weird giveaway comics? Like, not these ones, but other ones. Yeah, I was like, Micah was not born yet. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, free, weird ones for, like, comic book day and stuff like that. Um... I'm trying to think of like some in particular, like specifically. I'm sure I I've had these. Oh, you yeah. know what? Well, you know, I had a reprint of the first Spider-Man comic, except for it was an old Navy version of the Spider-Man comic. Really? So, so all of the characters were wearing old Navy merch, but it was just the first issue of Spider-Man. Oh, you mean I love Amazing that. Fantasy 15? Yes. Really? That's weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I was a kid, I had I had the the, the Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends one, which was also reprinted as Marvel Action. What was it called? Marvel Action Hour, I think, because that was like an anthology cartoon from the late 80s where they combined Spider-Man robotics and a humanoid or something like that. I don't remember. But anyway, there's a lot of these around floating around. And the thing about these comics is. As far as I know, they're never going to be reprinted, right? Because when you do these Marvel Masterworks collections or whatever, you're never going to get the rights to like 7-Eleven or, uh, you know, uh, Quickie the the Quick Bunny or whatever his name is, you know. Wiki the Quick no, Bunny? Oh, no, yeah, what's the, what's the bunny from Quick? Do you guys know? The Nest Quick Rabbit? The Quick Bunny. What? It's, his name is cannot be Quickie. Yeah, no, it's Quick. It's it's. Q U I K the Quick Bunny. It was it was uh yeah. So anyway. Oh, the Nest Quick Rabbit guy. Yeah. His name's Quickie. No, it's just Quick. quick oh bunny. okay. Yeah. Okay. But anyway. Oh no, it is Quickie. You're right. It is Quickie. What? <laughs> so anyway. Oh, yeah. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade fandom dot wiki says it's Quickie. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that the first result? So anyway, unfortunately, we're not talking about the quick bunny today, but we're talking about something almost as good, but we'll get we'll save that for last. So we're going to talk about uh, this is a comic book adaptation of the first episode of Spider-Man is Amazing Friends, which longtime listeners will know that I am a huge fan of others. Not so much. Uh, And yeah, and I believe Bex Luther, you have volunteered to tell us what this comic is about. I did not realize that this was the first appearance of Miss Lion. Like, so this this comic has to be worth some money, right? I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, real quick before we um, yes, do this. This is the exact episode we already reviewed on the podcast. Yes. Okay. Just wanna just wanna make that clear before we do the uh, the like. Synopsis of this? Yeah, the, it's it's. You might as well just go back and listen to that episode. Yeah, it might it might sound a little familiar if once yeah. Beck starts recapping. Was I don't think I was on that episode because this wasn't familiar to me. Oh, maybe maybe not. This was like 
I think this might have been like our first cartoon episode. So this yeah, was like early right. on. Yeah. Because yeah. I would have remembered the dog. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just, for the, just for the record, this was episode 16 we did this, December 23rd, 2019. Wow. Yep. Uh, back when there wasn't a pandemic. Exactly. Remember Christmas 2019? Back in the before times. By the way, one question, Josh, before we jump into this. Did we yeah. ever do a face-to-face episode ever? Like maybe Quasar or something? We did it for the first one with Captain America. We were reading Captain America comics. I'm oh, not sure if it was actually for Quasar or not. Okay. But we I, have... It, it'd be definitely not for Spider-Man. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, something to keep in mind. But anyway, okay, so Bex Luthor... You are about yeah. to summarize the first comic book appearance of Firestar and the first comic book appearance of Ms. Lion. So This was also the first appearance of Firestar? Yes. She appeared in, in Marvel continuity in 1985, but technically this was her first official comic book appearance. So this is kind of like, you know, Batman Adventures number 12, the first appearance of Harley Quinn, right? So it's got to be worth at least six to $7,000, I'm going to think. Plus first appearance Miss Lion. That's two first appearances. That's a lot. Right, so at least 20,000, 30,000. And I've got it sitting on my couch in no bag. Oh, that's good. Good for it. It gets a whole couch? Wow. You're, you've got it rolled up to yeah. chew away flies. Right. <laughs> it's worth more than the fly swatter, that's for sure. Uh, probably not. I thought when you paused when you paused me, Josh, I thought you were going to ask me for more facts about Miss Lion because I've got so many. Really? Yeah, she's on the Pet Avengers, dude. Also, it's a boy. <laughs> Wait. Huh? How's that possible? Miss Lion's a dude. Miss Lion's What? Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So shout out, you know. You know, we don't we don't we don't care about gender roles. You could be Miss Lion and identify as a dude all you want. Um also the only pet of the Pet Avengers that has no powers. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, dog. Was there a pet Avengers? Yes. Mm-hmm. Throg is on it. The Thor frog. Uh, Speedball's cat, who's also named Speedball, I think. Um, <laughs> Lockheed, the dragon. Lockjaw. Well, I was going to say the, Lockjaw. The dog. Yeah. Um, Red Wing. Falcon's is, bird. Oh. <laughs> is Pizza Dog on it now, or is the pet Avengers Ooh. just dead? I don't know if there's been a pet Avengers in a long time. Okay. okay. <laughs> But I would imagine Pizza Dog would be on it mm-hmm. if if there was a new Pet Avengers. That should be a Disney Plus animated series. That should be. They're doing one with the the, the Super Friends. Super pets. Friends, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so um, we start off this issue with just casually Norman Osborn getting released from the um, where was he? Prison, like an insane asylum kind of thing. I think it was in a insane asylum. Yeah. yeah. So. He's um, seemingly cured, and he's taking a private jet out of the insane asylum, and lightning strikes it. He falls, hits his head, turns back into the Green Goblin. Huh. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, then we cut back over to, it looks like, Peter Parker's house, where um, Norma Osborn, Norman Osborn's niece, um, Firestar, Bobby Drake, and Spider-Man are getting ready for a costume party. <clears throat> Uh, Firestar is dressed up as Spider-Woman. Norma is dressed up as Medusa from the Inhumans. Bobby is Captain America. And Spider-Man is dressed up as (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man. So they go to this costume party. And 
Spider-Man's like, wow, they have two guys dressed up as the Green Goblin. A mass murderer. <laughs> but whatever, that's fun. And then, but <laughs> Who are dangling around on fishing lines. Yeah, they're like, wow, they're just like, like the theatrics at this gymnasium party is pretty wild. Um, but his spider sense goes off, so Peter's like, oh, crap, what's going on? Runs into the real Green Goblin, who is trying to find his goblin formula to turn all of the citizens into ugly goblins looking dudes um fights with spider-man ties spider-man up in a chair leaves him in a in a locked room firestar finds him saves him and then they go looking for um green goblin who captures his niece Mm -hmm. i guess she knows where the formula is (laughs) casually um and then bobby turns from captain america into iceman they Find one of, or they split up. So the three of them split up. Spider-Man crashes into one of the Goblin's old warehouses. Finds him, and he's tied Norma up to a chair now. Loves tying people up to chairs. Casual Green Goblin stuff. Um, (laughs) And he's about to take his formula and, like, put it in the water supply or whatever. Um, Spider-Man fights him. He gets away. Spider-Man shoots a web onto his Goblin glider, even though they call it a bat glider. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then he, with the use of centrifugal force <laughs> spins Spider-Man off of him and gets him dizzy there's some science in this issue uh-huh. uh, so then they chase him to the city reservoir where he's going to put his goblin serum in there to turn everyone into goblins they stop him Bobby freezes the reservoir they get the serum out um, they go back to Aunt May's house and Miss Lion no, obviously knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man and proclaims her love for Spider-Man. <sighs> the end. Wow, that that was uh, summarizing that man. Why was that such a long read? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, I do remember. I mean, I had this since I was a kid. I actually have this issue. I always really liked the opening with Green Goblin and the plane and all that stuff. I like the fact that. He turns into the Green Goblin and doesn't remember being Norman Osborn. I think that's pretty cool. And as even though I am a huge fan of the cartoon, I gotta admit, this was a little bit of a of a chore to get through. So at the very least, it wasn't as good as the cartoon pilot that that we reviewed on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Josh, what was your impression? Yeah, I feel like it was like a. Uh, just not as well done as the cartoon. Um, mm. Yeah, having that little tidbit with Green Goblin is kind of fun at the beginning, and Norman is trying to better himself. He's going to like a facility to like rehabilitate and you know like wipe that part of his like mind or se- mind or self kind of like out and get rid of the Green Goblin. But this crash leaves him with a concussion, which assume presumably like. Norman Osborn is now kind of gone in this concussion and Green Goblin kind of comes back. So that's pretty fun. Other than that, it, yeah, it felt almost exactly like what happened in the, uh, the episode. And I assume this was to sell the show, right? Like it was made to go alongside the release of right. this new TV show so they can hand out this free comic book and look and say, look, isn't this a fun story? You kids are going to love this. It's going to be a new cartoon. Check it out. Saturday mornings at, you know, 9 a.m. You're going to sit down with your bowl of cereal and t- take a look. Um, you know what? I should point out the other two comics we're reviewing are free. This one actually did cost 50 cents. But. Oh, uh, well. Yeah, that's it did like, cost. Yeah. 
But you could watch it on TV for free. That's like an eighth of a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> um, Becca, I mean, I know you haven't re- didn't review the cartoon with us, but um, are you going to go... Huh? No. Yeah, no. you didn't. I said you didn't. No, I know what you're going to ask me, and I'm oh, saying no. no. Are you saying you're not going to go and watch it now? I'm cutting you off to say no, absolutely not. Jeez. Why would I? I know how this ends. Well, this well, still... Why am I going to watch a show? Getting there is half the fun, I thought. Uh, we... I thought it did the same... <sighs> I, I think it was it was pretty much the same. I had the same feeling reading this as I did the show. Maybe it's because I watched the show first and I wasn't like amazed by it. I was amazed. So when I was reading this, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, it's it's the show. So what, Becca, you're not better. excited. You're not excited. You think the art's better than the show or the comic? I'm asking you two. What do you think? The, do you think the animation is better than this art, or do you think this art's yeah. better? Than- <laughs> I think it is. No, I think the art's better. I think it's. I think the. I think the the art in the comic is better. Really? Because I think the animation um, doesn't hold up today. Where this comic book, if you gave it to a kid, it would. I think it would have the same feeling. The thing is, is we should point out um, the the pencils are by Dan Spiegel, who's a really really good artist. Kind. I, I don't want to say he's Alex Tofish, but he kind of is. But he's like a classic 70s, you know, mm-hmm. 60s artist. Inks are by Vince Coletta, who a lot of people don't like. Yeah, I think he's okay. But um, the weird thing is, is it says adapted from the original screenplay by Dennis Marks, but it doesn't give a credit to a writer. Now, obviously, even if they follow the plot, there's still someone that's got to write these little captions, right? And write all mm-hmm. the thought balloons. So someone did write this. I don't know who, but... Somewhere in the translation, it loses something because, like I said, I did enjoy the cartoon more. Um, however, yeah, I guess the question is because we, we're used to the normal or, or the regular Marvel Universe status quo, uh, Becca, did you notice a difference in the Green Goblin here? I mean, I don't know if you've read many classic Green Goblin stories, but did you like this version of the Green Goblin? I mean, I like the Green Goblin. This is a um, bit of a toned down, I think. Mm hmm. He's like, nah, I'm going to tie you up to a chair instead of throw a grenade and kill you, right? right, right throw right. you off a bridge. And um, kill you. <laughs> and kill yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> like, even even the, the big smile on his face, it doesn't, he doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I did still enjoy it for what it was, right? Like, I'm not reading this and going, oh, why isn't it gritty? Like, it's a children's comic. <laughs> right, like, right. Also, we know what happens when they try to make Spider-Man gritty. You kill Gene DeWolf and you have women's <laughs> bodies everywhere. So, you yeah. know what? I'll take it. Um, I like Firestar. I think she's fun. This Me is a too. cool introduction to her. Um, yep. I have a question, though. What costume store did they go to where they have a comic book accurate Medusa, Captain America, and Spider-Woman, but they have just the jankiest Spider-Man costume? <laughs> I know. It, it's got Spider-Man written on it. Written on I it. I love just, that. Just, just in case you didn't know. I want to go to a con. Yeah. Dressed I want to go like to a con. This Spider-Man that says Spider-Man on it. Let's see. People are going to be like, um, so you didn't, Uh, Spider-Man doesn't have his name on his costume. I was like, um, actually, in Spider-Man and his amazing friends, issue number one. Yeah, no, you know what? I used to have like, yeah, like a Batman costume that had like, it was just Adam West's face, just a plastic mask. And I think it said Batman on the logo. I got to dig that out. Amazing. That would be fun to do is like 80s Halloween costume cosplay. That'd be great. 
I do that. Yeah. But anyway. We could all dress up as like the most obscure versions of our favorite superheroes. Right. Uh, but, so, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, I wish Miss Lion was in it more. That dog's so <laughs> fun and cute. Right. She, I agree. Like, breaks the fourth wall by like talking to like the reader almost. And like, she's so cute. Her little pigtails. Oh my God. I just, <laughs> I'm so sad that there's two pages with the doggy, even though yeah. it's on the cover. Well, but apparently yeah. the, the Ms. Lion is only in there in there because like the studio exec insisted you have to have a dog to make it successful. But I'm like, no, I love the dog. No complaints about the dog, you know. And nobody who complains about a dog who's like, exactly. oh, there's a cute dog in this. Pass. Like, I think I've seen YouTube reviews where like you know, fanboys complain because like, oh, Ms. Lion, you know, no, Ms. Lion's great. I always love Ms. Lion. Anyway, yeah. Well, why can't Aunt May have a dog? She's she's retired. She's living alone. She can have a dog. Exactly. A cute little lap dog that runs with the Pet Avengers <laughs> at the Pet Avengers Mansion, which is a doghouse behind the actual Avengers Mansion. Really? Yeah. I gotta read that. Anyway. You do have to, I have it. Okay. You can swap. I read mostly digital comics, but I do have the Pet Avengers. As one should. I was uh, obsessed with that. I was like, Thor's a frog? Yeah, sign me up. So, Josh, um, mm-hmm. I gotta ask. I personally think this should be Spider-Man's status quo. Living... In like kind of a dorm, well not a dorm, but like an apartment with Firestar and Iceman, with Aunt May and Ms. Lion. What is your opinion on that? Do you like the status quo? Um, yeah, I kind of like it. I think it's it's very different um, from what Spider-Man is. Uh, only because there's like two people that actively know his secret identity. Right. So that part is a little bit... Um, I, it's it's the thing that's most different from who and what Spider-Man is. Right. Other than that, I do like it. I like that he's in school. I like that he's in like a dorm. It, it really does mix like the personal and superhero life together a, a bit more as well. Right. Um, it doesn't. It does feel more um, corny a little bit which is fun mm-hmm. and i do enjoy it but um i do also like some of these more serious comics where like like the hobgoblin storyline we're reading right now is super fun so um i do like i do like this this sort of stuff um and i wouldn't mind like seeing more of it but i also wouldn't want to take away from what you know what is the status quo now if that makes sense um, yeah, I totally, yeah. totally. I like them both. So, yeah. so let's put it this yeah. way. Uh, go ahead, Becca. Are you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, I think there's nothing wrong with having the, the Spider-Man stuff that we're reading now. And we're adults, so we can enjoy it for what it is. And then for a young, this is for a younger audience. And I think it's good for a younger audience. I think people mm-hmm. forget that sometimes, you know, the things that are for kids can be for kids and don't have to have tons of Easter eggs and grittiness and be like, and adult jokes in them, they can just just be four or five year old to read him some right. Spider Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, Batman can have no Batwing, right? Right. Why? Huh? <laughs> Why do you ever forget? It? Go ahead, it's, Josh. It, it's like it's it's almost like to um, like when you talk about like your favorite movies versus like the best movies. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to watch like Shawshank Redemption every day. 
Right. Because you do want to watch Grease two every day. Exactly. <laughs> right. Where it it's like they're they can both be good movies, and I can understand that one is like maybe technically better than the other, but mm. it's not my favorite of the two. You know what I mean? I, I'd exactly. rather watch the, fu- the the fun one that I could sit down and enjoy and just like relax watching rather than having to like sit down and try to wrap my mind around Inception or deal right. with like the intensity of The Departed. It's like just, you know, sometimes I want some like silly goofiness. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. I mean, I'm a big fan of this TV show, obviously. Uh, it, this is not as good as the TV show, but I still recommend it. Uh, Becca, what about you? Do you, rec- do you recommend this one? Yeah, no, for sure. I think I like this better than... I didn't watch this episode exactly, but I definitely think I enjoy this more than I did watching the animation. Mm. Just because something... This kind of media, I think, holds up longer versus animation, which very quickly gets very, very good. <laughs> um, but wasn't originally. Sorry, almost choked on myself. <laughs> um, and then, like, this would be something that I would definitely, like, show a younger audience for sure and be like, hey, you guys want to read, you kids want to read some Spider-Man? Here's some, like, low stakes. There's a bad guy. Spider-Man wins. He's got friends. There's a dog. Spider-Man story. Right. Right. So, yeah, I'd recommend it. Um, also, I like the dog. <laughs> exactly. Who doesn't? Uh, Josh, what about you? Do you recommend this one? Yeah, I, I think I do. Um, originally going into it, I was thinking it's like, eh, it's pretty on par with the show, maybe a little bit worse, maybe a little bit better. But now thinking about it, I would go, I would probably go back and read this again, but I don't know if I would sit down and watch the entire episode ooh, again. Ooh, okay, okay. So, All right. uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend this one. Woo, well, it's a, that's a one point for this comic book then. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this is the only one they ever did. Um, really? But, yeah, it's not hmm. too bad. Anyway. But that was that 1981. Sucks. Now we're going to jump ahead to 1987. And this one's a little mm. bit weird. Not weird, but um, this is a very touchy subject. Um, so this is a Spider-Man and Power Pack comic. This is a free giveaway. And it's sponsored by the International Association of Di- Direct Distributors and your local comic retailer, produced in cooperation with the National Committee for Prevention of Child Abuse. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, no laughing matter. Um, the cover here is by I believe it's John Byrne. It looks like John Byrne art. Uh, so it's got Spider-Man holding a kid, and then at the bottom it says "Meet the Sensational Power Pack." And again, this is a giveaway. These are sort of hard to find, so you got to dig deep for these. You'll never see these reprinted. So if you have one, keep it safe because it's worth at least forty-five cents. So anyway, so this one, there's two stories in here. The first one's called. The Amazing Spider-Man and Secrets, and it's written by Jim Salakrup, who is just about to become the editor of the Spider-Man line in the ones that we're reviewing, and it's drawn by a legend, Jimmy Jim Mooney, and inked by Mike Esposito, based on an idea by Nancy Allen. Oh, uh, I didn't realize it was drawn by Jim Mooney. Yep, yep, classic oh, Spidey artist. Yep. So anyway, so usually he's the usually he's inking. Yeah, he's more of an inker, yeah. definitely. But yeah, it gives it that classic Silver Age vibe, mm-hmm. you know. So Spider-Man is basically doing his thing. Or Peter Parker is kind of half Spider-Man. And as he's like looking at some, like a a roll of, uh, what's it called? Um, Photos that he took in his dark room, his film. uh, He hears a woman and a boy arguing in the next apartment over. And so he decides to go investigate to find out what's going on. So he changes into Spider-Man and climbs out the window and goes next door. And just as he goes next door, 
this woman runs out and the boy sees Spider-Man and he's like, hey, you're my hero. I think you're the greatest. So they start talking and Spider-Man's like, hey, I heard you, you know, arguing with that woman. What's going on? And so he can, he can, Spider-Man convinces the boy to tell him what happened. And basically the boy says that him and this woman, this woman is his babysitter. And so they were playing, you know, horsing around. And then all of a sudden she's like, hey, why don't you take all your clothes off? And he's like, uh, what? And then she's like, um, blah, blah, blah. You know, trying to take things further. And then um, I believe, I don't, yeah, I think he, he, I'm not sure if he actually, she actually abuses him or if they reveal that yet. But she's basically saying, this is what I want to do. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell any grownups. Don't tell our secret, blah, blah, blah. So then Peter Parker says, well, I can relate because something happened to me. And then he flashes back to, you know, uh, Aunt May and Ben, Uncle Ben when he was a kid, being at high school, blah, blah, blah. And then he runs into this older guy at school and named Steve Westcott. And uh, Steve invites him over and they're hanging out, playing pool, having fun. And then they're sitting on the port, on the on the couch in front of the TV. And Steve Westcott um, basically says that he wants to touch people like they do in this dirty magazine that he's just shown them. So Peter p- feels really uh, scared. And then um, he eventually tells Aunt May and Uncle Ben. And he's like, just like you... This boy did the right thing. When some when something you can't handle by yourself happens, you must tell an adult. I know, Tony. That young boy was me. So then basically he's like, um, did you did you think you could tell your parents what happened? And he's like, I think so. They left the address of the party they're at. So then Spider-Man swings through the city with his boy, brings the boy to this party where his parents are at, and leaves him with them. And, um, and he's like, you know, Tony has something very important to tell you. Then, the, then the, the little boy tells the parents and they're like, I'm so proud of you, Tony. I know it wasn't easy for you to talk about. And then the father's like, thanks for telling us, Tony. How can we ever thank you, Spider-Man? Spider-Man's like, believe it or not, you already have. Bye, Spidey, and thanks. And then Spider-Man swings away and that's the end of that story. And he's basically like, you know, um, it wasn't until tonight uh, that I realized something happened back then that wasn't my fault. It really wasn't my fault. And I owe it all to Tony. So that's the end of that story. Then we cut over to Power Pack, who, for those who don't know, are a family of brothers and sisters that all have superpowers. Their parents don't know they're superheroes, though. They live in an apartment building in, I believe, New York, and one of the people in another building, uh, this is a girl, and she has just tried to tell her mother that her father has been doing something, and the mother doesn't believe her. So then she leaves a note, and she runs away. And I guess she was supposed to go hang out with um, the Power Pack, which is, by the way, their last name is Power. And uh, she doesn't show up. So the oldest one, Alex, calls and finds out that the little girls run away. So they try to figure out what's going on. So they change into their superhero costumes and they're flying off, looking around for this girl. They finally track her down. And then they find out a very similar story to the uh, first story. And she basically says that her dad has been bothering her for years to make her take her clothes off and touch her in her private places. And so she's crying and they're trying to give her advice um, and basically say that, you know, um, if your mother doesn't believe you, then you should tell another adult. And if they don't believe you, keep telling someone until they do believe you. 
finally, okay, how about this? Why don't we go tell our parents because our parents will believe you. So they go home and they find Power Pack's mother and father and the girl tells her, tells them what has happened. They believe her and they say that they're going to bring her or I can't remember exactly what they say. Um, uh, I called your mom. She's upset and confused, but she's relieved to know that you're safe. Um, I know a number to call where families like yours can find help. So basically they're going to call someone. I'm not sure what the American equivalent would be. It might be CAS or something like that. And so basically, so then at the end of the story, the girl is with Power Pack and they're like, well, and Jane, remember we're here and we believe you. We'll try to help you and your family. And that's the end of the story. And so, I mean, I grew up in the 80s and to my knowledge, um, <laughs> child abuse was not even discussed before the 1980s, really. There was a lot of movies made about it at this time and obviously comic books. So, um, again, it was sort of a, an issue that um, everyone was trying to deal with and figure out at the time. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to rate or judge this story, but um, I don't know. Josh, what are your first thoughts about it? Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to judge it as a story because it's more of a PSA. Right. Um, there, there's not really much of a story that happens. It's more of uh, a lesson and kind of um, a lifeline for kids right, in right. similar situations or to raise awareness to other kids who may not know that things like this happen. Um, I think it was done well. I don't think that there were any parts that were tasteless, right. um, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't really know if I have anything much else to say besides. I think it did a good job at what it was trying to do, and I think it's uh, an important story. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I and I think too, especially especially um, for the time having. Um, Having a boy talk about a woman right. molesting him is also doesn't seem like um, uh, that common. I mean, even today, right. I know right. a lot of people that are that kind of talk down about um, those types of situations when the roles are reversed. Right. When it's a, a woman to a man. So I think it's also pretty... Um, uh, important that it showed two different stories and how it can happen to different people in different ways and different people uh, uh, can take advantage of kids in different situ situations, whether it be uh, somebody you know or even somebody in your family. So, um, right. yeah, again, it's it's hard to judge it as a story because it is more of that, like, PSA lesson, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, but I think it was pretty successful. All right, uh, Becca, did you have anything to say about it? Uh, yeah, I'm just going to agree with Josh on everything he said, because it's not really something to, like, review and kind of poke holes, be like, well, the plot doesn't make sense. Like, this mm -hmm. isn't what that's for. It's definitely a PSA. And I think it was written really smart. It's very easy to digest, which I think is important when you're gearing towards a child. And like Josh said, there is different... Um, Situation. So there's the older female babysitter and a young boy. There's an older male friend and a young boy. And then there's also a young girl and her father. So you have, like, an outsider, 
um, somebody you know and trust, and then like a parent. And I think the idea to make that young boy that, that Peter's talking about him is smart. Because mm-hmm. then if a child is reading this, they go, Spider-Man experienced this too? Then I then it's not my fault. And then, like, I'm not alone. And that's the biggest thing with abuse and abusers and things like that is the feeling of, of it's your fault and, and you're alone and all this stuff. Um, definitely a heavier read. Wasn't expecting it as much like i didn't i didn't know what to expect right then then you go into it and even even the power pack stuff it with the young girl is written like you like you said josh like very tastefully and and like this is a real thing and this is something that happens and it obviously that's horrible but it it is real and it's grounded in reality um yeah that's that's it i just yeah um well, and I, I also, I, I just want to add that I think it's actually really important to have this type of story in um, like a Spider-Man comic because, I, you know, I've always wondered um, how do you, you know, if you have if you have a kid that lives in an abusive home, it's ha- it's hard to bypass the parents and get this type of message across to them, right, without the parents knowing if the mm-hmm. parents are the ones being abusive. So this is a great way to do it, right? You kind of put it into a Spider-Man comic or a cartoon or something. So I think yeah. that's really effective. Um also, unfortunately, a lot of times if you're do- dealing with um, certain cultures, they're more secretive. Certain cultures are more secretive. Certain religions are more secretive, right? So, again, a great way to get this message to as many people as possible to let them know that there are um, avenues they can take and people they can call and stuff like that to, uh, to talk about this type of stuff. So, overall, definitely, and I mean, as far as objectively speaking, the art and story is good. This is um, Power Pack is Louise Simonson and June Brigman, the regular team on Power Pack. And Spider-Man is uh, Jim Salakrup and um, Jim Mooney, who are Spider-Man veterans. So this is, this is a, you know, all around a good comic on its own. So if you're just, re- I mean, I don't know if you read it just for entertainment value, but it's even good on that level. But definitely an important comic and I'm glad that it was made. So now we are going to jump to, this is an odd one. This yeah. is uh, the Marvel Comics Collector's Edition 7-Eleven giveaway. Um, Josh, Together you're going to describe for the first time. Yeah. Right. So we have uh, Spider-Man, Captain America, the Incredible Hulk, and Spider-Woman versus the Enchantress, the Wizard, the Rhino, and the Trapster in The Secret of the Power Crown. Mm-hmm. Um, so this story is actually divided up into five different chunks, which is right. pretty cool, actually. I think uh, I actually like how it's how it's divided, and we we kind of see everybody's story happen um, one at a time, but we know they're almost happening simultaneously. Um, so we start off with uh, the origins of Spider-Man and Captain America before we jump into the story. And the first part is um, uh, the chapter one is with uh, Spider-Man. It's Mission of Gravity. And uh, Spider-Man is on a date with... Actually, I don't even know who this is. Who is this? This is Sue? Yeah, I think it's just... Just some maybe lady. she's in the seventies, but it's not. It's not someone we ever came across. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. No, nobody that I uh, recognize. Um, so Spidey, uh, his Spidey, spider senses go off. He's got to leave his date real quick because when he goes outside, the um, Empire State Building is floating up into the sky. 
Um, <laughs> it looks like there's some sort of like ship or UFO that is dragging the uh, Empire State Building up. And um, it happens to be um, uh, the wizard who who has like made this contraption to lift up the Empire State Building to find a, a an old artifact that is underneath the Empire State Building. Uh, he says a funny line too, like something like, uh, uh, "I needed to find something underneath the Empire State Building, and what's the only way to get it? Well, that's to lift the entire Empire State Building." <laughs> Um, and it, it turns out that uh, he's doing this for Enchantress, who has kind of like tricked him into going onto this mission to mm-hmm. find uh, uh, to find these different artifacts. Um, so she doesn't have to do any of the dirty work. Spider-Man comes in, sw- uh, swings in to save the day. Um, you know, he's using like a ray to destroy the ground, but it won't destroy any other uh, matter besides like dirt. So he can get to it without destroying the artifact and he tries to use it on spider-man but he forgets that it's not going to affect his webbing or anything so it's clogged up we get this kind of like uh you know interest like we get this like little fight with them um he the the wizard blasts off into outer space with spider-man and he's got like a mask to breathe but spider-man doesn't um so he's knocked out and because the wizard doesn't have any time to kill Spider-Man, uh, he slowly goes back down to Earth and places him on the ground. <laughs> uh, he he goes back to Enchantress. I love that. Yeah, gives her the gives her the artifact, and she's she pretty much goes, "Thanks, dude. Bye. Don't need you anymore. Thanks for the artifact. Peace." And he's like, "What the hell? I thought we were gonna be together after this." Um, <laughs> Then we cut over to chapter two. This one's Peril of the Potomac. Well, I don't Potomac. I, I think it's Potomac. Potomac. Potomac? Yeah, the river. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, this is the true star of this comic. We cut to Seven Eleven, where I guess <laughs> Captain America lives here now, because he's here just like talking to some kids. Uh, he sees something is going on in the distance. Um, we see Trapster as he's fl- he's gliding along on his kite uh, to go uh, blow up the needle. What is this? What is this? The Washington Monument. The Washington yeah. Monument. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> next to the Seven Eleven. Right next to the Seven <laughs> Eleven. Uh, he is there to also get an artifact for Enchantress. Uh, Captain America tries to stop him. Uh, they're kind of like you know getting each other back and forth he uses um some sort of like sound or no he he knocks captain america over the head uh with like a piece of brick or or something and captain america's out and he's able to get away he goes to deliver the uh the artifact to enchantress she's like thank you so much but again guess what your services are no longer needed boom she snaps her fingers and a big meaty fist comes in and punches him out, knocks him clean out. It's the Rhino. Enchantress is now using Rhino because he's stupid and very easy to manipulate and he's extremely strong. So um, that's when they're going to come over here and get their last artifact, which I guess is in um, the prison. 
on yeah, Alcatraz, Alcatraz Island, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we go to chapter three, which is Shakedown with Spider Woman. And we see that an earthquake is happening, or what she thinks is an earthquake. So she puts on the costume, goes over, and starts saving civilians that are uh, under, like, falling buildings and stuff like that. Uh, we get we get another she, – she she drops down these civilians into another 7-Eleven uh, because the 7-Eleven, after the earthquake, has turned their parking lot into a medical center <laughs> to help save people because that's just the kind of company that 7-Eleven is. <laughs> Um, so Spider Woman <laughs> sees that something is going on in the island. She goes there, and it's Enchantress and Rhino. They're trying to bust in, so she uh, is there to stop them. And that's when um, Bruce Banner senses that something is wrong, and the building is about to crush him. He turns into the Hulk and saves some some more civilians. Um, and he realizes that like all of this is like pinpointing to the island so he goes and swims there as well and uh crashes through the building we get the uh part four of hulk versus rhino they're kind of going back and forth uh and once rhino has been defeated enchantress uses uh, starts manipulating the hulk and making him think that um she's on his side so he helps her actually go and get the last artifact and she puts it back together and it turns out to be a crown. Um, what the crown does, I can't quite remember. It's some sort of like magic crown that'll give her all <laughs> of these abilities to, what is what is the whole thing again? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. I think it makes her the most powerful woman in the universe. Of course. Sure. What is what she says somewhere. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so uh, we see that the villains that have been kind of pushed aside from uh, by Enchantress team up. They're going to go try and stop her. The superheroes, um, they stop at 7-Eleven for a slushy, <laughs> and they're talking there like, wait a second, why don't we team up and try and stop Enchantress? Um, so the two teams end up at the at Enchantress's place at the exact same time just as Hulk has has finished putting the last finishing pieces of the uh the crown back together and he's about to place it on her head and that's when chapter 5 starts the crown of power so they all kind of get there and it turns into this giant fight um uh Hulk doesn't really know what to do Enchantress calls him like an oaf or something like that and he gets <laughs> angry because uh, she's calling him names. So he grabs the crown and crushes it and crumbles it into pieces. She's upset and poofs away. And then they have one last meetup at 7-Eleven. And um, they save the day. That's Ooh. really where this ends. It was an interesting... Do they get more slushies? <laughs> I assume... Why wouldn't you go to? Why wouldn't you get uh, slushies if you're going to Seven Eleven? I mean, come on. So, oddball <laughs> lineup. Like, no, we should also remind people that in this time period, Spider Woman was one of their more marketable characters because she had her own cartoon. Right? She was on mm-hmm. all the underoos. She had a toy, so that's why she's included here. This bad guy lineup is kind of. Like Weird. the Frightful Four, I think. Am I wrong about that? I, I should look up the Frightful Four, but kind of an odd um, grouping of uh, characters mm-hmm. here. 
Yeah, this is not the Frightful. The Frightful Four is, um, oh, geez. There's a whole bunch of them. Uh, Wizard. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, only the Wizard from this group. So, yeah, this is just a hodgepodge of villains then. Okay. Weird group, weird group for sure. Um, but, you know, it was fun to see them. I, I like the art. It doesn't. It's not credited, but I think it's Herb Trimpey. The oh, story, yeah, Herb, Herb, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think the story, to be honest, is the weakest of the three we read this week. So yeah. I probably wouldn't read it again. It's fun, but I wouldn't read it again. It's so goofy. It's ridiculously right. fun just because of how dumb it is and how 7-Eleven is just shoved into every <laughs> possible panel. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm sure that there was, like, some sort of mandate to have that, like product placement but it was just when when they after an earthquake immediate like while the earthquake is happening 7-eleven shuts its doors so it can become a medical center in the parking lot are you kidding me right. <laughs> that's wild well, it says open 24 hours so <laughs> true uh so becca what do you think of this one this is my favorite one really I loved how goofy it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I was that kid and I went to 7-Eleven to get my 7-Eleven Spider-Man themed Slurpee and I got a free comic book and it was this, I'd been <laughs> so psyched. I love the one page breakdown of everyone's origins. Yeah, me too. I, mm-hmm. Like, uh, Spider-Man, bitten by spider, uh, Captain America, serum, uh, Hulk, some crazy experiment, Spider-Woman. Yep. Spider Woman's here too. Yeah, I don't think they do. Oh yeah, uh, injected with spider blood. Um, three dollar ninety five t shirts, like little oh, fun activity games. Which one's Spider Man? A Hulk Shadow. Connect the dots. Draw the other half of Captain America. Mm-hmm. This would have been my jam. No, I loved it. I think the story is so perfect for such a product placement 7-Eleven comic. Like, the Enchantress is just picking three randos she can manipulate to find the ugliest crown. Um, no, it's great. Love it. <laughs> Love every bit of it. Um, never heard of the Trapster. Oh, really? Yeah. Also, also known as, as, also known <laughs> as Paste Pot Pete. Oh. Uh... I know Paste Pot Pete from a list of top 10 worst villains ever. Really? There you go. This is him. Well, well, he does like glue, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, Captain America's like, too bad you forgot. Nothing sticks to my shield. And then he just clonks him with a brick. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Ugh. Um, no, it was fun. I want a $3 t-shirt. Same. I want a Slurpee cup with Spider-Man on it. Same. Don't you like I these like little... That it's prom... Go ahead. I was going to say, I like that it's promoting these weird scratch cards. And what about the games inside? Like, you draw this half and color it yeah. too. Like Captain America. What do you and... think? If you, if you join the dots, what do you th- who do you think it is? <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. What page is that? <laughs> 24. Uh, I guess we'll never know unless I print this out. And well, can you even, do that and get back to me? It I even to know. says join the dots to see Spider-Woman oh, in action. Oh, yeah, to see Spider-Woman uh, in action, yeah. Look, <laughs> at, it look at the dots okay. on her freaking hands, though. Like, what child has the patience? Uh, 
there's so many there too they've got like arrows pointing dots. like uh, yeah. i know that there's a lot i know that there's a lot of arrow uh, dots in a lot of numbers everywhere so we're gonna draw some lines to the dots to make sure you know which numbers go to what dot Funny. oh man yeah this was such a ridiculous story um i definitely had fun with this one is it good <laughs> no yeah, no it's so. not it's not, not but i i did genuinely have so much fun just because of how ridiculous it is um i think they do a great job of introducing these characters real freaking quick and just throwing you right in the middle of it um having these little like title cards for them to have like their oh, excuse me sorry they're um they're like or they're mini origins like we see skinny uh steve rogers as he's drinking the super soldier serum i, don't I wonder think that's how it worked i wonder if that's a i wonder if that's a 7-eleven he drank the super soldier serum in no, I think he, that it's is exactly slushy. how it worked. He it wasn't a Slurpee, but it was a serum. I think he just drank it. Was it was a big gulp. I think so. Right. Yeah. But I and love God. the Seven yeah. Eleven stuff. Oh man. I like in Peter Parker's bedroom. He has a little flag. It just says State on it. <laughs> <laughs> I go to State Whoa, University. I'm oh, what state? state too? <laughs> uh, yeah, I I. I love that Captain America is just hanging outside of the 7-Eleven like, <laughs> yes. in full costume like I love that's it. so sad that's so sad like it, rem- it it makes me think of like in high school um <laughs> this is so embarrassing yeah in what? high school I was like helping out uh, my friends make a band Okay. And we wanted to go to McDonald's to perform. Okay. Because it was the <laughs> only not... place we could think of that uh-huh. would be like, yeah, they'll let us play there. McDonald's. They'll let us bring all of our instruments into McDonald's, right? This has that same feeling of like. Wait, why is that story embarrassing? Anyway, so what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I, we, I don't think we ended, we never ended up going. Uh... They toured all of McDonald's in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you uh, heard? Oh, that's great. Yeah. Actually, that, you know, to be honest, that's not a bad idea. Why not let kid bands tour McDonald's? That'd be cool. <laughs> I just want a Big Mac. I don't want to go in and see children play smashing on the drums. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I thought you were gonna say it reminds me of the drug dealers that would hang out outside the Seven <laughs> Eleven. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I thought it was going to a much darker place, but uh, no, yeah, no, no. But it no. went to an adorable place. <laughs> um, but. Uh, it kind of gives that like stank of desperation of just like, oh, I guess I'll go to a Seven Eleven. Maybe maybe there the people people will recognize me there. They did. So it they worked. did. Also, that Seven Eleven is huge. That's a. It is. It's gigantic. <laughs> and later on too, I love that he's like. He's the one that's like, all right, well, I guess every we've all got to go our separate ways. And like we see everybody running away. And it looks like Captain America's like pretending to run away. Like he's like actually going back to the 7-Eleven. <laughs> he loves it there. <laughs> it's his favorite. It's his hangout uh, spot. And the Hulk, too. Do they I guess here's my question. Do they still make comics like the, like these 
for like kids. Like if you go into a Seven Eleven, would there be like an Avengers comic like this? Probably not. No a. way. Marvel I, I, does not need the money now. I, mean, I think that um, it was in 2009 that I got that Spider-Man comic. Okay. Let me see. Old Navy. It's just that they don't do this kind of stuff anymore. It was just a different time, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think they need to. They got, like, Hyundai sponsorships and stuff now. Yeah, you could <laughs> argue that. but But still, there's nothing wrong with... If they can make some extra money sticking these in a 7-Eleven, I think they would. But it's just that, unfortunately, people don't read comics anymore. They, they'll see the movies, but they don't care about the comics. That's what I think it Unless is. Unless it has an $80 variant I, cover on it. Right. I assume that this one was also handed out for free. Uh, let's I, I like, Or maybe it was like, if you buy a, a 7-Eleven Marvel-themed slushie, well, you'll get a free comic book. Yeah. Ask, I'm just, ask when you buy your slushie. I'm looking at the indicia and it, it, it doesn't say anything about cost. Yeah. Oh, look at this. Look at this. This periodical may not be sold, but shall be given away free by the Southland Corporation 7-Eleven and Slurpee. Oh, yeah. By the Southland Corporation, which probably owns 7-Eleven. And, right. and then it says 7-Eleven and Slurpee are registered trademarks of the Southland Corporation. Mm. So you're right. It was probably... Yeah, which makes sense because then you're you're it's like free advertisements for Seven Eleven and Slurpees, but then also Marvel comics, which are I assume would have been at the time heavily sold at Seven Elevens. Yeah, so like kids after school riding their bikes down to the local Seven Eleven, meeting Captain America, grabbing a slushie, buying a couple comics. It's perfect. I would have done the same there thing. Was- there was 60 Slurpee cups to collect. 60? Uh, 60. Is that what six, you just sent? Zero. Yes. The checklist. You I would mean, get wow. a checklist. 60 different cups. Collect them all. Whoa. So it, That's a lot. The Hulk is on here twice. Wait a second. The Mighty Thor. The Falcon. Captain America. I assume that's Oh, Spider-Man's the on here. Yeah, I think there's a lot of repeats. The Spider-Man's oh, on it's the place. Hulk one, the Hulk two. So it was probably different pictures of Spider-Man uh-huh. and the Hulk. Whoa, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Hulk, Thing. Red Sonia. Conan. I want the Red Sonia. Doctor Strange. Wow. You know, I... Yellow Jacket? <laughs> <laughs> but those were the days of like going to like a gas station and getting like, you know, all Power of Man. the... You know, Empire Strikes Back glass, you know, cups or glasses mm, or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or like all the superpowers figures or whatever it may be. Like, I love those days, you know. I, I remember there, it might have been like 7-Eleven or Max Milk or something like that. I remember when Phantom Menace came out mm. or, or Revenge of the Sith came out. I went and got like a whole set of like these pins. Oh, yeah. That they were giving out. They were like square pins and it had like a picture pasted on top of all the different characters. Nice. Yeah. Dude, these cups are probably worth something. I yeah, I'm I'm like addicted to collecting. <laughs> I, I love collecting yeah. and like completing sets and everything. Um, yeah, and it started when I was little too because like again going back to Star Wars too. I remember collecting the entire set of Attack of the Clones action figures, and I still have them all sealed. Really? I never opened them. And it killed me as a kid to do that because I was like, all I wanted to do was open them. So first, Smart. what gave you the foresight to even 
Think of that. Um, it was my parents. Oh, they told you not yeah. to open them? Well, yeah, it was like, they were like, if we do this, you got to keep them sealed. And I'm like, okay, let's go get them all. So and have you, have you looked into how much money these are worth now? Not a lot. And oh, okay. and the reason why though, is because. The movie um, sucks. <laughs> no, 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 it, no I it, that's I not why it, it's because back in the seventies, they didn't make enough toys, right? Right. So they're worth so much money. So everybody's mm-hmm. thinking, well, all these Star Wars toys are worth so much money. Yep. Let's buy them, never open them, and in a decade, we'll be we'll we'll make thousands. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But because because they the movies are so successful and everybody knows it, they printed way too many for them to ever be collectible. Right. So I'm sure that they are worth something but uh are they worth a lot probably not mm-hmm. and i'm actually also still missing one i'm only missing one out of all of them how much would you pay to get that final one i know i'm sure i could find it on like amazon or something but i was like i was like i don't want to buy it from like a scalper i'd rather like find it in the wild Sure. Like find it yep. in like a comic book shop, just like this. Sh- like they're selling like old shitty, like right. still packaged toys that nobody wants. I'm like, there he is. It's E Font Man. Whoa, <laughs> the last character, this person that nobody's ever heard of, the guy that's in the background of Java's Palace. You remember him? <laughs> it's like, no, I don't. <laughs> well, it's like for me. I mean, I love collecting that stuff too. But even for like, for example, GI Joe. I have every single, I'm pretty sure I have every single first year member, but I'm missing Grand Slam with the silver pads, okay? Because there's two Grand Slams, red right. pads and silver pads. And I'm always on the on teetering on, do I just sell all my G.I. Joe figures or do I go and get those two or three remaining right. ones that I want to get and pay $1,000 for each one, you know? Like, I don't give a shit. I just want to have them all, you know? Yeah. You know, it's... it's uh... It's funny too. I would collect the variants as well. Like there was one time we were, it was like a soldier from Return of the Jedi, like an Endor, like just rebel soldier. And um, he, there was one, he, where he, one of the toys we found, he had a painted on goatee. But in the rest of them, he didn't. So we were like, okay, well, we have to buy this one now, too. Right. So now we have this, like, weird, like, background Endor uh, uh, rebel with a goatee where the rest of them didn't have a goatee or whatever it was. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just sent in the chat a picture of the cups. Oh, I'm already staring at it in amazement. Um. So that was from the 19... <gasps> Super Stan! <laughs> yeah. Um, so that one was from, I think it was the 1975 7-Eleven Marvel crossover. These are the cups from the 1977 wow. Um, wow. Marvel 7-Eleven crossover. So <laughs> looks like they did another one. So oh, worth the cups oh, at least. These are amazing. These are... Are yeah. they wild? So I still like have this- some cups like this too. Like I actually have, I think, Seven Eleven Star Wars cups that I've nice. kept. 
Let me see if I can go find them. One sec. I'll be right back. Keep talking. I also got to point I'm going to get my Star Wars yeah. guys. In the 1975 lineup, notice they have weird characters like Doc Savage, who's not a Marvel character. Um, they have Thundra, Odin, Master of Kung Fu, Black Knight. I'm just looking through some of the other ones. Yeah. Red um, Sonia. Yeah, Red Sonia, which would not be my choice for children's cups right call the conqueror nighthawk what's he doing there knight rider what's he doing there that's the original ghost rider i think some of these aren't like in the picture might not have been from the marvel specific collection Mm. but that was like it was like the 75 one was like a character with their name right and then the 77 one was like the teams and they had more backgrounds and they were more detailed right i have the set of the force awakens subway ones Oh, nice. Ooh, and then I cool. also have uh, Iron Man 2, 7-Eleven, Iron Man 2. Nice. Um, they're holographic. Nice. Oh, very yeah. cool. Ballads of Whiplash. And so you've never used War them? Machine. Like, you've kept them in well, good shape all this time? Them. Yeah, oh, they're okay. in great shape, though. Iron Man and Black Widow. That's cool. Yeah. I found some of the Star Wars 7-Eleven cups. <laughs> is it now from, we're just looking at pictures it, of cups. Is it Revenge of the Sith? No, the original. Oh. 1977 7-Eleven Star Wars cups. That one says forbidden for me. Oh, I can't open it? Hold on. It's like... Oh, I put the wrong link. Hold like, on a second. Like, no, you're going to buy this. You're we'll have to attach to. these photos to the post so people know what the hell. Yeah, you can just Google sure. 7-Eleven 70s cups. There you go. You do the work. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh-huh. I have well, to, yeah, I have to show you one day my <laughs> Star Wars collection too. So I, I mean, when you guys come to my house, I can show you all of my random collections of way too much garbage. Perfect. <laughs> so keeping Cups. in mind that there are potentially people listening to this. Um, if you want to look these up, we're talking about 7-Eleven uh, Marvel Cup giveaways, Star Wars Cup giveaways. Um, I'm sure we could talk about this all night, but unfortunately, we have to wrap up this episode. Yeah, we probably should. <laughs> uh, I definitely. Oh, there was a Miss Marvel one. <laughs> um, it's on eBay right now, eighteen dollars. Oh my god. Damn. So, just so everyone knows, next week we're not going back to the regular monthly Spider-Man comics, but we are going to be doing. Spider-Man guest appearances in Power Pack number 21, Vision and the Scarlet Witch number 11, Fantastic Four number 299, and to celebrate, we're bringing bringing back our most popular guest, Michelle Kistner. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Please be sure to join us next week. We want to thank Bex Luther for joining us. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm going to go usual. buy me some cups. All right. We don't want to disturb you. Uh, <laughs> we also want to thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, it really helps when you leave us a review over on Apple Podcast, or you can leave us, uh, or you can drop us a line on Twitter at, at @hctspidercast. Please let us know what you guys think about the uh, the podcast and the comics we're we're talking about. We really want to keep that comics conversation going. That's right. So until next Monday, see you later. <laughs>